Welcome to Arise Church, where we exist so that you can experience God. I pray that this message will encourage, inspire, and grow your faith in God. Enjoy the message. Welcome to Arise. Super excited that you're here with us this morning. If you're new to our church, my name is Brent and I get the privilege of being your lead pastor and we're going to continue to experience God together for the next few moments. It's going to be awesome. We start this new series called Habits today. Um, Yeah, yeah, it's uh, going to be really impactful, I think. Uh, And so for the next few weeks leading up until Thanksgiving, we're going to talk about uh, uh, your spiritual habits. Um, We do always want to celebrate as we get started. We had 10 people make decisions for Christ last week. Yep, yep. That's what it's all about. Uh, and I just love this, man. So many people were sending me messages and, and things on social media and different things uh, of all the ways you were lighting the night in Halloween night last night. It was like so much fun, man. Some really cool stuff. I heard people playing worship music in their driveway and like all kinds of fun stuff that was going on. Uh, one person was giving away New Testament Bibles along with candy. I'm like, sweet, awesome. Uh, it, was, it was really fun to see. So thank you for, for being a part of that. Uh, also, today is Volunteer Spotlight. The first Sunday of the month is always Volunteer Spotlight. Uh, And we want to celebrate, I don't even think they know it, or maybe they do, uh, but we want to celebrate these amazing young ladies who are right up here in the front that walk around with cameras, Uh, Madison Lindemann, uh, McKaylee, and McKelsey Harkins. You guys rock. We do have something special for you that we will give you afterwards, but obviously you can't come up right now. Uh, but if you are ever home and you're watching and you love those live moving action photos going on and, and video, uh, that's these awesome young ladies. And so thank you so much for all you do. All right, so let's talk for a second about your incredible human body and specifically your incredible brain. Like you are absolutely incredible Your brain, I don't care how dumb you might think you are, we'll talk about that next week, but your brain is absolutely incredible. Uh, I was researching the brain this week and found some interesting information. This three pounds of gray matter literally runs your world, and the brain contains an estimated 86 billion brain cells. There's 1,000 nerve impulses that make tens of thousands of synapse contacts uh, within your body. A piece of brain tissue the size of a grain of sand get this, contains 100,000 neurons and 1 billion synapses all communicating with each other. Somebody say, you got a big brain. Yeah, I mean, I mean, come on. Um, you, your brain is incredible. It actually generates 20 watts of electricity, which is enough to power a small light bulb. Your brain does. Uh, and your brain craves mental stimulation. I found this one little interesting research uh, project that was done with men. All the men, uh, you know, uh, our brains might be physically bigger than the women, but we all know that they have bigger brains. And so uh, they did this, 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 this test with men, and they put them in this room, and, uh, 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 and they checked to see how long that they would sit there without any stimulus, and they left something there where they could shock themselves. And they found that men's brains crave information so much that they would rather electrocute themselves, sit there and shock themselves out of boredom than actually sit there doing nothing because your brain craves stimulation. It wants something. And so these men are in the room electrically shocking themselves. I don't know if the women would do that or not, but as a guy, I could totally see myself doing that. Um, Your brain generates 48.6 thoughts per minute. That's like 70,000 thoughts per day. 
Like you are constantly thinking and you can't turn it off no matter how hard you try. Anybody have tried that? Like you get home from work and you're trying to cut it off and you can't. Um, your brain has 1,016 processes per second, which is far more than any existing computer. This, this, this little three pounds of gray matter is, is just incredible. Your brain's storage capacity is considered virtually unlimited. It's not like the RAM on your computer that runs out of RAM. In fact, the, the greatest current estimates are in the petabyte range. Am I saying that right? Is it petabyte or petabyte? Who knows? Petabyte? Okay. It's in the petabyte range. To give that perspective, they say that the latest research shows that your brain could store the amount of information as the entire internet. You are much smarter than you think you are. Your brain is incredible. It is awesome. And astound, astoundingly, um, uh, your brain constantly sees pictures and takes in images and things. You can see an image in just a millisecond, uh, literally the, the, the time of a blink, and take that image into your brain, which is both amazing and scary. Because there's a lot of images and a lot of things that come in front of us. And you are just incredible. Your brain is incredible. Maybe the coolest part of your brain is that in the midst of all the incredible things about your brain, 95% of the decisions you make or the things you do are actually put into autopilot. You don't actually think about those things. In fact, 95% of the things you do are considered habits. You don't think about them. You just do them. You put a routine into your schedule somewhere, and now you just do those habits. And a, and a great deal of research has been put into this, and a lot of business research and leadership research, because if you can form your habits, you can form your brain. Because 95% of what you do is just a, it's just a, it's just a habit. It just, just goes on and off. Uh, we all know this, because your, your brain loves to form habits because it wants to conserve energy right? It's not that your brain is lazy. It's more like your brain is your spiritual, your mental dad that's going around turning all the lights off in the house because he's tired of you leaving the lights on and turning the air conditioning up all the time when you turn it back down. Anybody know that dad, right? Uh, it's more like your, your brain is that dad. He's always trying to turn and conserve energy off, turn lights off, conserve energy. And so he's always trying to do that. The brain is so it's not that they're lazy, but they want to conserve energy. So anything that can become a habit that your brain doesn't have to think about, it'll turn into a habit. So uh, maybe the key one, I've used this illustration before, but, but maybe the key one is driving. Do you remember when you first started driving 15, 16 years old, right? Do you remember the mental like anguish of hitting the right pedal? You remember the first time you drove on the interstate? Like I was driving on the interstate before I was 15, before I had a license, and, and some of us are back in that era, but... But you remember, like, like, there was some mental angst. I remember driving on Hillsborough Avenue in a car that was, like, the same size as the lane when I was, like, 14. And going, like, I can't go over this lane, right? Like, it was crazy. Um, but your brain, like, at first, man, you were mentally exhausted from driving a car. Have you noticed that you don't even think while you drive your car now? Think about that. Like, you're driving this multi-ton vehicle, depending on the size of your vehicle, that is a death trap that could kill you or somebody else. And you are in autopilot in your mind. Have you ever driven home and you don't even remember driving there? Like you pull in your driveway and you're like, I don't even remember. Like I know I stopped at that stop sign, you know, a mile ago, but I don't even remember stopping at that stop sign. Why? Because you're in autopilot, right? Um, and, 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 and if you ever get woken out of that, it's always refreshing, right? You ever be in an autopilot and then like somebody swerves in front of you or somebody slams on brakes in front of you and you wake up real quick. You go out of autopilot and into like hit the brakes real quick. But when you first start, man, it's a lot of energy. In fact, somebody, um, a new driver just ran into the gate of our, our community where we live in. They actually ran into the, the fence um, and drove up all the way up onto uh, a cement block pole that was there. They drove up onto it because they mistake 
mistakenly took the gas in the brake. So when she's thinking, I'm hitting the brake and it's not slowing down, it's because she's stomping on the gas, driving all, it took a little car all the way up onto a three-foot, like it was pretty impressive. I would show a picture, but I'm afraid that somebody in her family would know who it is and I'd get in trouble. Um, But it's pretty impressive. But that's how it was when you first started driving, man, you had to think about everything and it's mentally exhausting. And now you don't think about anything, but that's what habits do. Uh, They are absolutely uh, incredible. And this makes establishing good habits extremely important. Because most of what you do are the habits that you form. And and I think it's with this in mind that that Paul writes to this church in Rome that's in the middle of a habitual crisis where the morals and decadence of the culture is inhabiting and and, and filling the church. And he writes this verse. And, you know, last week I gave you a bunch of verses. This week I'm going to give you one. And he says this, Romans 12, 2. Do not conform. Say, do not conform. conform. It's a command. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I like to, I don't usually share other translations, but I really like this. The Phillips translation says this, instead of do not be conformed to the pattern of the world, it says, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. Isn't that a good trend? Like, that's just, that just pops in our minds, right? Don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. So, so do not be conformed. Number one, if you're taking notes. Number one, our minds are being conformed by culture. <laughs> your, your brain is, is, is incredible. Do you realize that your human brain will actually change shape slightly? It will actually evolve based on what it learns and the circumstances you put it through, the trauma that goes through it, uh, the things you watch, the things that you put into your brain. Your brain will literally change. It can add to weight and take away from weight. It literally will evolve during your lifetime. It's pretty wild what your brain um, can do. And, And if you're not careful, everything in society will begin forming your brain rather than Christ forming your brain. So, so this, this brain is just, it's just Play-Doh, right? This, that's all this is. I made a Play-Doh mold of a brain. Somebody's already curious. I made a Play-Doh mold of a brain. Play-Doh's interesting because you can take it and you can squish it. You can move it around. I could form it into something completely different. What if the brain that God wanted you to form is being conformed to the pattern of this world instead of being formed by the Lord? And so what's happening is this extremely malleable brain that you have is now being tainted by the things of the world. Check this out. Your brain processes an image that uh, can process an image that your eyes have seen for less than 13 milliseconds. That's literally the time it takes to blink. So your brain is constantly processing, processing, processing. And it's this giant storage room where you have literally the amount of storage on the entire internet that's all in this that you can pretend we don't remember anymore. And you may literally not remember anymore, but it is still stored in there somewhere. We know because sometimes it comes back to us at their weakest moments. Sometimes you'll be reminded of something all of a sudden out of nowhere, and what you thought you had forgotten, you find out you still remember. Sometimes somebody asks you a question. Sometimes you walk, and I remember walking through a place one time, and I smelt something, and it was the smell of my neighbor's house when I was growing up, and it took me all the way back there. Something I didn't even remember remembering, a smell, took me all the way back to my childhood. And so what's happening is we are being indoctrinated within the culture that we live in to conform to the culture. Every culture does that. It's not, it's not inherently wrong unto itself, except for when the culture is becoming more and more and more vile and more and more evil. And so we're being indoctrinated into this culture to form our brains in the way that the culture wants us to form our brains. Right. 
the problem with that is that the culture is polluted. You remember, like, some of us are old enough to remember smoking or non-smoking sections in the restaurant. Like, I know I'm dating myself, and some of you are like, what are you talking about? But back in the day, uh, I, worked at a, I worked at Po Folks in high school. Come on now. They had great biscuits, man. It was like Cracker Barrel biscuits, and they were free if you worked there. It was awesome. I, that, that was my dinner every night, Po Folks biscuits. Po Folks biscuits and, and cheap Coke. You could tell I was a teenager because I would have gained 500 pounds. And... Um, and so uh, uh, you would, well, people would walk in and they say smoking or non-smoking. And so there were sections of the room that you had smoking section and then non-smoking sections. And in the smoking section, everybody could smoke. And so they didn't care about the pollution of the air in that section, right? Uh, but then in the non-smoking section, you were not to smoke. And you had this assumption that somehow the smoking pollution was not going to end up in the non-smoking pollution. Which is why they eventually stopped it because the whole thing was just kind of silly. It's like, okay, you're smoking at that table. I'm not here, but your smoke isn't getting into my lungs. Come on, really? Um, um, here's the thing. We don't have a smoking and non-smoking section, a, a filtered and non-filtered section of our culture. You are walking into a smoking section. You are walking into a polluted area where it's literally like the air you breathe from the time you are born, and especially the later you're born into this era, from the time you are born until now, you are breathing this stuff in and out, and it is as natural to you and I as it could be because it's what we've always known. And so some things within our culture we end up putting into our Christianity because we think that's normal. Instead of basing our Christianity on biblical truth that actually shape what is normal. We need a new normal across America. I don't know if you know that. So he says, he says, do not conform. Why? Because conformity to the world is corrosive to Christianity. It destroys us from the inside out. And when you live away from God, you end up becoming a conformist to culture. You end up just fitting right in with culture somewhere in culture. When you are a conformist to Christ, you will never end up fitting in with any culture anywhere because your culture comes from a spiritual dimension called the kingdom of God. You will never fully fit into any other culture as long as that's the case. But our thinking naturally conforms to this pattern of the world because it's what we've always seen and experienced. I love this quote from a, a Sidney Harris. It says this, it is commonplace how easily a child of three or four picks up a foreign language, if exposed to it without any formal teaching. Yet we are unwilling to admit that a child of the same age picks up our unconscious attitudes and prejudices without being taught and often retains these longer than any of his formal education. How much stuff are we allowing into our children's mind? Are we allowing into our mind with the assumption that it's not actually affecting us, but before we know it, we end up talking and acting and being just like the culture around us? Because it informs our incredible brains. Because this world wants to squeeze you into its mold. It wants to make your brain think like it. So what does that practically look like? Uh, practically, practically, your brain um, uh, really, wants to, really, really wants to watch everything on television. And everything is not wrong by any means. I'm not anti-television. But your brain squeezes all your television time that we think doesn't actually affect us. So all the things we're watching on Netflix and Amazon Prime and Hulu and whatever else we're watching on, your brain starts to become affected because we're pushing things into our brain. It's not inherently wrong. It's what are we watching? And oftentimes, if everybody in culture is watching it, it might be a red flag that we shouldn't be. 
okay? Because we're supposed to be different. Um, uh, It's all the things that we see on social media, all of our friends and what they do and how they live. And and, and they live paycheck to paycheck and and spending way too much money. And they live uh, for their children and they live for whatever. But they're living for something that's not godly. And it it might be good, but it's not godly. And we follow them on social media and we start to conform to this pattern and thinks, well, that's how we're supposed to live, right? And so we, we, we form that into the, this pattern of our brain. Uh, it could be the, the music we listen to or the other things we're listening to. It could be um, the television shows we're watching. It could be Fox News. I can't have a sermon without mentioning it somewhere. One day we're going to get it. And so, so, so all these things we're listening to and we're putting into our minds, they begin to shape our brains, right? Uh, it could be, this is one of my personal favorites. It could be all this violence we're watching and being around all the time and, and, and all these things that actually form us for an, from an early age inside of the culture of our family because you watched your dad beat your mom and you think that's normal. Or the culture that you watched on television or some other place or seen around you uh, to the point that then you start saying, that's just the way I am. If you've ever said that line, that is not the way Christ made you or wants you to be. I hear that all the time from different people. Well, that's just the way I am, Pastor. You just don't know. If they, if they step on my toe, I'm going to punch them in the face. Well, okay, well, that's awesome. But that's not what God wants you to be. That might be the way you have culturally entered into this world, but that's not right. And it doesn't matter the culture that's in the world. It matters what are we become. So we end up with this, this, this tainted brain that's not what the brain was meant to be. It's reformed into the pattern of this world by all of the ear gates, the eye gates, the, the, the gates that, that, that we open up for. And what was a beautiful thing, what was an incredible thing, before we know it becomes a negative thing. Before we know it, it becomes something that's polluted. It should be beautiful, but it's polluted. I, I, Pastor Pete, um, I don't, is he here today? Yeah. Pastor Pete um, shared on, on social media recently uh, a scientific study where kids are getting tics or like Tourette syndrome and things like that from being on TikTok and watching kids with Tourette syndrome and they find themselves catching, that's a weird, catching these tics. Why? Because when you watch something over and over, especially at a young age when your brain is still forming, and your brain's not fully formed till you're 25. Which, by the way, is why they send you into the military at 18. Some of y'all get that later. Because when you're 19 and they're like, run into that battle line where they're all firing at you and you're like, yeah, I'll do it. At 30, you're like, yeah, I don't know if I'm going to do that. But we need you, we need you, we need you. I'm not hating on it. I'm just saying your brain's not fully formed till about 25 when it's fully formed, right? Uh, and the problem with that is we call it legally adult at 18 and then we end up making a lot of dumb decisions between 18 and 25. Anybody been around? You married that dumb decision. You, 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 you know what I'm talking about. Okay, okay. You moved in with that dumb decision. The, the pure mind, but what happens is our minds get polluted and the problem with that is that everything we create comes from our mind. This is not a spiritual, this is just, this is just, this is humanistic 101. This is just the way the world functions. What am I talking about? Out of the unseen comes the seen. Out of the theater of your mind, I used to have one pastor who used to always say that, out of the theater of your mind, out of your imagination comes everything that is seen. Every house that is built, this building that you're in right now, the chairs that you're in in your mind, you're sitting on, somebody imagined those first. They processed those in their mind, something that was completely invisible. They processed it in their mind before they created it in the natural. You with me? 
The problem with that is that if our minds become polluted, everything we create will end up polluted. If you're starting a business and your mind is polluted by this culture and you think, I just got to have money, 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 then you will create a business that will make you lots of money, but it won't do any good. Are you with me? So, so, so whatever you create comes out of this incredible mind that we have. And if the mind is polluted, then everything you create is polluted. That's why it's so important that we keep our minds clean. That's why it's so important as Christians that we don't pattern things off of the world's culture. Instead, we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, the washing of our mind, the making new of our mind, so that what we create is beautiful. It's healthy. The conformity of the world says, I'm going to live for greed. I'm going to live for my own self-interest. I'm going to take care of myself first. I'm going to, I'm going to love me, myself, and I. I'm going to take care of me. Uh, the, the culture of this, 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 this world becomes me-centric. But the culture of Christ is radically different. It says, I'm not going to live for me. I'm going to live for somebody else. I'm going to lower myself, humble myself, and exalt others. And what's radical is when you do that, you usually end up getting exalted with them. When you raise the water level, you all grow up. Right. <laughs> and and so, so there's this beautiful thing that happens. It's not that you lose something. It's a different way of thinking. But this pattern of this world is so, so, so different. All right, so... We create from the unseen to the seen. So if our minds are dirty, then our imaginations are dirty, then what we create ends up becoming contaminated. That's the problem with this. That's the problem. And so look at what's happening in our society today where our minds are polluted and what do we create in policies and systems and different organizations that are started. Oftentimes, it's a very polluted thing that we're creating. All right, so number two, what's the second part of that verse? Therefore, we must be intentionally transformed by the renewing of our minds. We need to be intentionally transformed by the renewing of our minds. I didn't even say this when it fell on the floor, so I missed it. These are the things, the stories that we've heard. I'll just stick that right there. So we're intentionally transformed. You will have to be intentional about this because the culture we're living in is like the air that we breathe. It's it's normal. But the Bible uses this word all the time, repent, right? Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. That's how Jesus started his sermon and and John the Baptist preached that. and, And you see that especially throughout the gospels constantly, this word repent. But do you remember what the word repent means? Turn around and go the other way. It literally means to change your mind. The way I've been thinking, I will no longer think. I am changing my mind. Changing my mind about what? Who's leading my life? I was boss of my life. It was all about me. Now I'm going to change my mind and make it all about the Lord. And it literally means to change your mind, which is why this mind stuff is so, so important. Uh, the original language is the word transformo, which is that same transformed words. It's, it's the same thing as Jesus on the, on the Mount of Transfiguration where he was literally changed, transfigured in front of them. He was transformed. You and I are to be transformed so that we glow from the glory of God, so that we are radically different, so that when people see you, your good works, they praise your Father in heaven because of the clean mind that we're creating out of. So the transformed life can be no greater than the transformed mind. Yeah. This is what you got to understand. And this is what I, I really want us to hear this because I, I think we blend the two so often that we lose track of biblical Christianity in the kingdom of God. The transformed, uh, uh, the transformed life can be no greater than the transformed 
mind. Many of us are trying to live a transformed life without transforming our mind. And you can't do it. Because everything that you create in life starts in the mind. So if you want to create something different, you change your thinking. You change your patterns in your mind, your habits in your mind. And so we transform the inside to transform the outside. And a polluted mind will always lead to a polluted life, but a clean mind will lead to a Christ-filled life. This is so key, and this was strategic. I didn't say this a lot before, but we just came out of this Killing Spider series. And so as you kill spiders in your life, it oftentimes creates voids that you need to now put something else right? You need a new pattern. You don't just want to get rid of the old pattern. You need a new web, not just get rid of the old web. Uh, Jesus would say it this way. When an evil spirit leaves a person, if they don't refill it with something else, they come back and they bring their buddies with them. So you're not going to be better unless you now replace the old pattern with a new pattern, right? Uh, I love this uh, Spanish proverb that says, habits are first cobwebs, then cables. (laughs) They're first cobwebs and then cables. I, I, I love that because Jesus came to rewire our patterns, to show us a different way, to live a life that goes, all right, we can model that pattern, that mold. We can be like that rather than being what we naturally are. So as Christians, this means this. We must think differently. I'm going to say this as politely as we can. If your thinking is mainstream... It's probably not from a renewed mind. If you fit into the pattern of this world, whichever pattern you want to call it, right wing, left wing, center wing, bird wing, chicken wing, whatever you want to call it, if you are fitting into a pattern that is in this world that is a wide road, Jesus said there's a narrow road that you're going to find. You're probably going to be different than any of them. And if you are fitting into a pattern of this world and forming your theology based on a political side or what have you, that's probably not coming from a renewed mind. The renewed mind actually creates something that's different than what's in society today. Uh, Samuel Johnson said, the chains of habits are generally too small to be felt until they're too strong to be broken. If we're not careful, we create these habits that become cables, and before we know it, we can't break them. That's where the power of Jesus Christ comes in. Because habits are small things, but they make a huge difference. They make a giant, big, colossal difference. There's so much talk about habits today. I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about this. If you're really curious, I did a message on habits the end of last year that you can go back and a deep dive just into habits alone. Uh, But there's so much talk about habits today because these incredible little things make a giant difference for the future that you become. Uh, If you really want to change your future, just change your habits. And they're little things. The the book Atomic Habits talks at length about this. They're just little things. They're atomic, meaning they're small, but they're atomic, meaning they're explosive too. And, And you just, a little change can make a big difference. The problem that many of us struggle with is that we want to make a giant change. Now, I'm not talking about repentance and giving your life to Christ. There should be an overhaul that happens right there. But I'm talking about creating spiritual habits in your life. Oftentimes, we're like, I'm going to read the whole Bible this, this month. Like, no, you're not, bro. Come on, man. And so we create these giant things instead of going, all right, what, what is a micro habit that I can start creating that will change me in the future? So I could, I could read a chapter, you know, today. I can read a, a portion today or whatever it is. I can, before I get out of my car every morning at work, I'm going to make sure I'm there a few minutes early. I'm going to pull my Bible over right there and read it. Whatever it might be. Maybe I get up a tad early or stay up a tad late. Maybe on my lunch break. Whatever it might be. But you create a small habit. And a small habit over the course of time is incredibly powerful. 
It's got a compounding effect, like compounding interest does. It's got a compounding effect. Uh, I heard one illustration that said it this way. Uh, if you're leaving Los Angeles and you're heading to New York and you adjust the nose of the plane by three and a half degrees, which is like almost nothing. It's a tiny bit. It'd be just, just like a foot or so. Just, just move the nose of the plane this much further over. Just, just a little bit. By the time you got from L.A. to New York, you would not be in New York. You'd be in Washington, D.C., why? Because a little change over a long time makes a big difference. Right. So we, when we talk about spiritual habits, and we're going to talk again in the next few weeks about these things, but when we talk about spiritual habits, you don't got to do everything at once. It's not like I'm going to take it all on. That's, our, that's what we do wrong all the time, right? How many of you, like in New Year's or whatever, like, I'm going to go to the gym every day for an hour? <laughs> yeah, no, you're not. No, you're not. Start with something small, like we have this saying in our staff, start small and tweak it all. Start with something small and tweak it. Start with something small. Just get to the gym and then see where that goes, right? Because we just, we do a horrible job with that oftentimes. And so little things over a long time have this compounding interest um, for good or bad, right? Uh, If you eat healthy one time, (laughs) come on somebody, (laughs) because you started your diet every Monday for the last 10 years. If you know me, that's my story. I start a diet. Every Monday, I start a diet. Every Monday. Which gives me at least a day a week. So, But if you, if you eat healthy one time, it doesn't really affect much. But if you eat healthy consistently, it can affect a lot. If you do something wrong, if you, if you smoke one cigarette, despite what mama told you, it's probably not going to kill you. But if you smoke a cigarette over and over and over every day, multiple packs a day or multiple cigarettes a day, before you know it, you end up with health concerns down the line. It's not about the one. It's about this direction that habits take you for good or for bad. Are you with me? So we have to create good habits because our habits tell us where we're going. I love this quote from John Maxwell. He says, see what a person does every day, day after day, and you'll know what that person is and what he or she is becoming. If you want to say you are strong spiritually, just show me your spiritual habits and I will tell you whether you're strong spiritually or not. It, it really becomes uh, this, this picture of this. And so uh, we can form the habits that form us. We have to be people that are intentionally, purposely forming habits because we live in this culture that's going to form us if we don't. They're going to give you the habits. They're going to tell you that you should go home and just turn on, turn on you know, the TV and just watch it all day. They're going to tell you you should do this thing or that thing. And it's going to be so natural to us because it's probably what we've seen. It's probably what everybody else does. And so it's going to be so natural to us, we're just going to fall into it over and over. But we need to form uh, better habits. You know, uh, there's another word for it. Brace yourself. I'm about to say the D word from the stage. This other word is disciplines. Some of y'all got scared. (laughs) Disciplines. Nobody likes disciplines. Nobody wants disciplines. But the other word for habits, in some regards, are disciplines. Spiritual habits, spiritual disciplines. One of the problems that we face with the American church is we have a lot of followers and not a lot of disciples. Disciples are disciplined. Followers just follow. They, they follow to the degree they're willing to follow. In fact, there's one time where Jesus had this really crazy teaching. It's one of those weird things that Jesus said where he's like, eat my flesh and drink my blood. And, you know, and everybody's like, ah, that's weird. I'm not following you anymore. And so, so like, like all these followers, because, you know, he had his 12, but he had lots of followers, lots of followers. And so uh, the followers all left him. And he went over to Peter and the disciples and he said, hey, like, are you guys going to leave me too? And they looked back at him and said, like, where can we go? Like, we've given everything to follow you. Like, you speak the words of life. Whether we understand them or not, we're going to follow you. That's the difference between a follower and a disciple. A follower will follow until it gets hard. 
A follower will follow until COVID hits. A follower will follow until they hit a crisis in their life. A follower will follow until a teaching of Jesus is too demanding and we say, I ain't going there. A disciple is the one that says, Jesus, whatever you say, I'm going I'm to figure it out. I might not understand it. I might not understand the season I'm in, but I ain't going anywhere. I'm not going anywhere. Anybody live through some hell and high water and you're still a, a disciple of Christ? Amen. That's because you are disciplined to follow the ways of Christ. But if you're just a follower, you disappear, man. It happens. We see it. We've all had testimonies of this. You can see, see testimonies of this. And so... Uh, many of us have failed miserably at trying to create new habits because we start big instead of starting small. We've got to start small with these spiritual things, and then they can become something great. Because at the end of the day, habits eat willpower for breakfast. I think that's an old Peter Drucker quote. Uh, habits, will, uh, habits are far more powerful than your willpower. Your willpower will get you through a certain, certain time period. That's usually the first week of your New Year's resolution. But habits are incredibly powerful. And so this world is full of these ungodly habits that shape our minds. And they want to fill us into their mold. Uh, one of them right now that's just rampant, that doesn't get talked about enough in the church, is porn. It is a massive habit in the United States to the point that now it's normal. Nobody thinks anything of it. But it's literally reshaping our minds on the way we think about things. Uh, if you look at the rise in the sexual decadence of our culture and the reason that it's allowed to rise is because everybody's already in their own private sexual decadence in their bedrooms or in their offices or in their cars or wherever they're at uh, looking at stuff they should never be looking at. And what happens? It's polluting our minds, which then makes us create something that's polluted. Are you with me? Uh, but, but there's all kinds of them. Like I said, the greed, the gossip, uh, this idea that you've got to climb the corporate ladder in order to, 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 to uh, uh, be something, these self-identity things that are going on. This is the pattern of this world. But there are also godly patterns, and these godly patterns are incredibly, incredibly beautiful. The godly patterns, when you put them into effect, will take out of these because you're getting rid of the old patterns, and instead, <laughs> instead you start taking on new patterns. And over time, as you are pressed into the Word of God, the Spirit of God, patterns of spending time with God. That's right. I don't, I, I, if you want to be a disciple of Christ, you've got to come close to Christ. That means you've got to spend time with God. So you keep pressing in. Here's the thing about disciplines. They don't become habits and for, for quite a while, so they're always tough at first. So you've got to press in. You've got to say, I'm going to get up early. I'm going to make this happen. I'm going to set my alarm. I'm going to set my alarm for lunch break and remind me to read my Bible. I'm going to make sure I spend at least a few minutes in prayer. I'm going to make sure I spend some time in Thanksgiving. And you keep pressing in over and over and over again. Uh, these spiritual disciplines that are, that are simple, they're not, they're not complex. Most of us know them. We don't, just don't always do them. Uh, and you're spending time with God over and over. The people you spend time with will form you. This is why we talk so much about experiencing God in this church. It, wh whoever you are experiencing the most will form your thinking, your way of being. And if you spend time with God, before you know it, you'll end up in a culture that's a revival culture. It's a presence-driven culture. And all of a sudden, you get so accustomed to God's presence that it feels awkward when you're not in God's presence. Okay, can I tell on my wife uh, for a second? You, you know one of the things that makes her such a great woman of God? Um, and I know a lot of people in this room, I always say, you guys like me, but you love her. I get it. I'm the same way. I love her than I love, more than I love me too, so I get it. But one of the things that makes her such a woman of God that you do not see, because it's not on, you don't live with her, 
is the fact that she is constantly listening to preaching, constantly listening to teaching, constantly putting herself around people that are around in the presence of God, listening to worship music. Every day when I come home, unless the kids have something on TV, she's got some worship thing going on TV, and as she's washing the dishes and cleaning the house or whatever she's doing, doing things, as she's doing whatever, she's constantly listening to this. Uh, the last several nights, it's almost annoying because I go to bed, and she's in bed because um, she's like laying down before me, and she's watching sermons and preachers on YouTube and, and different things like that. And she ticked me off the other day because she said, she said, man, I really like this guy. <laughs> I've never, I have never walked into the room and she's watching one of my sermons. I'm just saying. <laughs> but, but this is what makes her this woman of God is because she spends so much time with God and in his presence and in his word and in teaching from his word that before you know it, she actually fits better in that culture than she does in this worldly culture. And we're all like, oh, she's such a woman of God. She's such a woman of faith. And when she prays, people are healed. Well, the reason she is such a woman of faith and has a, is because she spends so much time with Jesus. Amen. It's not rocket science. It's not something you could not do. It's just something we fail to do because we are more attached to the culture of this world that's polluting our minds. And so, at the end of the day, see if this will come out again. At the end of the day, if you will spend time with the Lord, what begins to happen is you begin to reform your mind back to the way God intended it to be. Right. And it's not broke, busted, and disgusted. It's not warped and destroyed. It's actually what God intended it to be. Therefore, you can then create something beautiful in your life and through your life, whether that be your kids or whether it be art. You are both a, a work of art and an artist at work. Make no mistake. Whatever it is, you are a created being who creates. That's what you do. And you will create good or bad out of this place in our minds. So what do we do? We feed our minds habitually. We feed our minds habitually. Let's feed it on the word of God. Let's feed it on the things of God. Whatever it is that gets you excited, whether it's worship time, worship music, whether it's the preaching of the word, I'm a preacher guy, whether it's whatever spiritual discipline it is, feed your mind, inhabit yourself in that. Because here's what I'm trying to say, and I hope we're getting this in all this jumbled science talk. Your mind is hungry and it's always eating. You can't turn it off. It craves knowledge. Your spirit craves revelation, but your mind craves knowledge. And you can't turn it off. So whether it's a knowledge on a, on a drive home that you're seeing billboards that are constantly invading your mind, or whether it's the knowledge of the scripture or a preacher or a pastor, whatever it is, it's, gonna, it's going to consume it. You have to figure out what are you feeding it. And we are feeding our minds in our day and age a lot of junk food. Not that it'll destroy it instantly. But give it time, and before you know it, our minds have become conformed to the pattern of this world. The, the, the real problem with that, and the real thing about that is um, uh, uh, our minds are constantly eating, they're constantly consuming. And like I said, with the non-smoking thing, um, our, in the midst of that, our minds are like a sponge. You've all heard that before. Mama told you that when you were a kid or something, right? And your mind's like a sponge. And so, so it's constantly soaking up the things that are around it. It's constantly taking it in and spilling it out, taking it in and spilling it out. I purposely made this dirty water, and I don't even know if you can tell from there, but it's constantly. And the problem with that is that the polluted system of our world, the air we breathe, the water that we're sucking in and out, is polluted. You can't help it. It's what you were born into. It's the worldly system that we're around. You can't help it. But then I found out this interesting thing. Um... We went to the sponge docks with our staff like a couple months ago, 
and um, did this little sponge tour, you know, that sounds so nerdy, doesn't it? We did this little sponge tour, and this guy's talking about sponges. That's interesting, right? Our, cra- our minds crave knowledge, so, so he's talking about sponges, and uh, starts explaining the difference between a fake sponge and a real sponge. I thought it was interesting. I didn't know this. You know, the sponge is one of the lowest forms of life. It's actually a living animal, living creature. Uh, you farm them uh, uh, just like you would an animal. It's interesting. Um, but but, but they're, they're radically different between a fake sponge, which is cheap and easy and you get everywhere, and an authentic living sponge that they farm. And, and the difference is not just the way they look. The difference is they both take in water. The living sponge will kind of breathe in and out water. That's what it does. But they both take in water. One of them filters the water. And so if you have an actual sponge, a, a living sponge, a, a real sponge, because of the way it filters it, bacteria will never stay. So as long as you just, when you're done, just rinse it out, set it to the side, it'll air dry. You never have to worry about bacteria ever getting into an actual sponge compared to a fake sponge, which you're going to get bacteria in like crazy. You're going to have to throw them away. You know, you know, that's what we do, right? But the, but the living sponge, the sponge the way God intended it to be compared to the man-made sponge, God's culture versus man's culture, the living sponge will take in the same water, take in the same polluted water, and be used for a whole lot longer and will never end up with bacteria inside of it because it was made to filter it. We have got to learn to filter the things of this world. How do we filter it? Through the Word of God, through the presence of God, through what the Spirit of God is saying. Now, watch how this verse ends. It ends like this. Then you will be able to test... And know, or I'm sorry, test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Huh. Huh. Because if we learn to filter the air we breathe, the culture we live in, the systems of this world that you cannot escape... It's what you live in. When we learn to filter those through the presence of God, through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, really what you find on the other side is what is good and what is bad. Now you can go, yeah, that's awesome that you believe that. I ain't going there. That's great that you might do this, but I know what God's will is for me, and I'm not letting bacteria rest in my mind, rest in my heart, that's going to end up messing me up in the future. Are you with me? If you want to know God's will, learn to filter the culture. You know the other thing about knowing God's will? The more time you spend with somebody, the more you know their will. You know, Ada can speak for me almost all the time because she knows what I would say. It might not be what she would say, but she knows what I would say. I can speak for Ada most of the time because I know what she would say. But it goes deeper than that. I think Pastor Ken and Pastor Tina especially can, can speak for me oftentimes because they've been around me so much that they can actually make decisions based on what they think I would make. And 99% of the time, they're right. Did you realize that you can be around the Lord's presence so much that you learn to filter out all the stuff and the bacteria of culture and go, no, this is what God's will is. This is what it looks like. This is... But it's all about forming the habits of his presence, being with him, whatever that looks like to you. It's all about that. Are you with me? Anybody struggle with uh, a couple couple weeks ago I mentioned ants, automatic negative thoughts? 
and like you always like you think and it's always like especially about yourself we're going to address that next week if you deal with that and and I know you do even though you're all looking at me like a bump on a log right now (laughs) I I know you do Um, we're going to address that heavily next week so be here bring somebody with you that you know that we need to address that with because so many of us speak death over ourselves constantly and we've been trained by this culture and by systems and the way we grew up or whatever just to like, I can't do this. And, I can, and all these things we speak over ourselves, that is not God's will for your life. We're going to address that head on next week. Stand up and I'm going to ask you a couple questions. I want to end with a few questions about this. You know, what, what habits do you need to form? Um, uh, uh, how can you create a holy habit of spending more time with God's presence? Those are great ones. But I really want to ask you this one. Uh, It's going to be a little pressing, a little bit in your face, but considering your current spiritual disciplines, in one year from now, will you be more like Jesus? I'm just going to be real with you. There are some of us, we've been around this church for a long time. I've known you for a long time. And in the course of the last 11 and a half years that I've known you, there's not a huge difference in your spiritual walk. Hopefully, you can't say the same thing about me, but maybe you can. I don't know. But if you've known somebody for a long time, if we're doing the same things over and over, are we getting closer to Jesus? Are we getting closer to him? Are these spiritual habits, these spiritual disciplines that we're forming actually leading us to get closer to him? Or have we stopped and put it in autopilot because that's what our mind likes? We just come to church. We just do what's expected. We give. We do this and that. If I ask you to do something, then you do it. But, but, but are you really striving and pressing in to be formed into the pattern of the Lord? Secondly, uh, what are ways we need to bring God into our everyday? It's all about God's presence. So I don't want to make it about one habit, one discipline. It's for you, what does it look like to spend time with God and how could you put that into your, your daily life? Again, uh, uh, I've, I have a habit, y'all don't know this, but I have a habit when I'm driving to the office of trying to think of things I'm thankful for. If you start with a heart of thanksgiving, your whole day will go better. So I'll drive and I'll just think of three things every day I try to think of. Like, all right, what am I thankful for as I'm driving? Blah, blah. Like, all right, I'm thankful for this and that. And I try not to just say the normal stuff. I try to go a little deeper with that. But these these spiritual habits are powerful. So maybe it's getting up a little early to read your Bible. Maybe it's reading it at lunch break. Uh, When I worked a secular job uh, years and years ago, I read my Bible at lunch break all the time. All the time. That was like my normal uh, every day. I went in my car, I ate by myself, and I read the Bible. Everybody's different. but, But what would it look like to bring God's presence into your day-to-day life. And what is one thing you can do to change about that if the answer is no? If the answer to that first question is no, what can you do to change it? What can you do um, to start forming patterns that are going to change you in a year? You with me? I know this isn't like shouting down or anything like that, but these are powerful ideas we have to be formed into the pattern of Christ, not the pattern of this world. And it's really formed through our habits because our brain does 95% of our decisions through habits. And what if your habit, what if your default is to pray for somebody? What if your default is to quote scripture over places? What if your default is to start prophesying over, over where you work and the people you're around? What if your default is godly rather than you have to be intentional? It's done through habits. It's done through habits. Let me pray over us. Our altar team, if you guys can go ahead and come up front. Jesus, Lord, I, I Lord, we got to cleanse our mind. God, and I just pray right now that you would wash my mind and the minds all over this room in your blood. Make our minds new. Transform us 
into your image. But God, we so often focus on the outside. We focus on the physical things and we ignore the inside, but it's the inside that ends up creating the outside. That's what Jesus was always trying to teach. That's why the internal was so important. So Jesus, I pray that we would be people that recognize what's going on in our minds that nobody else sees. The polluted thoughts that we have, the ideas that race through our minds. Our minds are craving knowledge. So Lord, I pray that we put the right things in front of our minds through all of the different medias, through all of the different thoughts, through the word of God. Lord, help us to put the right things in front of our minds so that when it eats, it eats healthy. It eats good so that what comes out of it can be good. So Lord, I pray that you deal with each one of us in this room in different ways and different patterns and different places of our lives. Show us areas where we need to create better habits, better spiritual disciplines so that we can form our mind into the pattern of Jesus, into the pattern of God and know God's will and not be lost in this pattern of the world and so confused by what's going on. Lord, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, would you consider subscribing and sharing this on all your social platforms? If you are moved by the message and would love to share your testimony, please email it to amen at myariseChurch.com. I pray you leave here feeling encouraged. See you next time. Thank you.